0: Welcome to Date Night, a tabletop role-playing podcast. This is a special episode. Usually, on our off weeks, we would release premium content, be it a bonus play session, Game Master's Guide to the recent episode, or other fun content. However, when two NPCs started talking to each other, Will joked he would record an episode by himself. Well, he did. We thought the ultimate results of this idea should be released free with our regular content, partly due to being somewhat related to the main storyline. So, I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as we did this past Sunday. As Calman and Victor had a lull in their conversation, and the other adventurers slept off the weariness from their battle with the bellboy, there was a gentle knock on Victor's face. Hey, Calman! Stoney is outside and asked if he could talk to you, Victor said. Me? Um, I'm supposed to be weeping cotch. Uh, I'm sorry? I'm um, keeping watch. Uh, you know, while my friends are asleep. Oh, I mean, I can keep closed and sound an alarm if anybody tries to get in. They'll be fine. And if you go out, I'll cover for you. Doors know how to keep their mouths shut. Um, okay. Calman walks outside and Stoney the seven-foot-tall, John Heater-looking gargoyle was standing there, rubbing the back of his neck. Um, Stoney, Victor said you wanted to talk to me. Yeah, yeah, and Stoney nods. Look, Kalman, is it? Yes, I'm Kalman Coggle's Dash Six. Yeah, Kalman, look, you know, us stone folk and us metal folk, we need to watch out for each other, right? Kalman has a blank look on his face. You know what I mean? Calman still looks confused for a second, but then picks up a single finger into the air in a moment of realization. Oh, you mean me and you. Stony sighs. Yeah, like us. Look, can you keep a secret? Calman looks through his bag and pulls out a small square chest. He opens it and holds it out in front of Stony. Sure. Stony and Calman stared at each other for a few seconds in the moonlight. This is going to be harder than I thought. Never mind that. Look, I don't want people to know it, you know. It might hurt my cred as a guardian, but I can't leave this place. I have to stay on the temple grounds or I will turn into... just like a regular run-of-the-mill statue, you know, and... I'm supposed to guard this place, not let any of the goodies on the shrines get took. Well, I usually do a bang-up job, you understand, but... Just a few minutes ago, this fella came through. Looked like he had been in a scuff. I thought he was just camping under the awning and trying to recover. But when he left, something was missing. Something kind of valuable. I wonder where it went. He took it. Who? What? The, the fella... The dude who was camped here, when he left, he left with the silver ewer that somebody had left as an offering for Sala, a lesser goddess associated with water. Now, I can't leave here, but I want to get it back. So I was hoping... Say no more! Oh, uh, oh, um, great. So you'll go and find the ewer for me? Oh, you want me to find it? Yes. Oh, okay, where is it? It's, the guy went wait, wait, but before we even get there, what is it you thought I was asking you to do? Um, I thought you wanted me to figure out a way for you to be able to pleave this lace. Like, I don't know, maybe find your maker and have him fill out a permission slip? Uh, um, okay, but no, no, no. The fella left on the road to Kanagara. And the stone guardian points toward the northeast along the pilgrim's path. I was hoping you could go and maybe see if you could find out where he went or what he did with the ewer and if you could bring it back here. And if you do, maybe I could give you. Okay! Uh, oh, okay. Great. Calman starts to walk toward the road. Calman, yeah? Piece of advice, my man. When somebody is giving you a quest, wait until they tell you what they have to give you for doing the quest before you accept it. Um, okay, I don't see why that's relevant right now, but maybe you can give me some more advice when I get back from traveling to Tanagara. Stoney sighs and shakes his head. Yeah, yeah. Look, Calman. yeah... This fella, or whatever it was, seemed to change forms when it snuck out. I think maybe it was a shapeshifter, so just be careful, okay? Okay. Calman starts to walk toward the road, but doubles back over to Victor. Um, Victor, I need to go for a little while. Okay, little buddy. If you're not back before your friends wake up, I'll just tell them you vanished like you usually do. Um, okay. See ya. Kalman left the Temple of the First Land with his moon-touched sword glowing faintly in the darkness of the evening. The steve moon was just waning from new, and the moon moon had yet to rise over the mountain. Kalman's single glass eye was fixed on his singular purpose, and he began traveling up the pilgrim's path to Kanagara. The little Modron had little idea where to look for the ewer or what he was tracking, but on the advice of the stone guardian, he would follow the road for now, hoping to gain on his quarry. After an hour or so of traveling, Kalman spotted something on the edge of his vision, just outside the light of his moon-touched sword on the road ahead. He dashed forward, but the figure seemed to vanish. Kalman looked down toward the road to see if there were any tracks. Indeed there were, but the tracks of a man quickly ended, and the tracks of a small house cat began. And as he followed him near where the figure had been, Calman spotted a small gray house cat with a silver ewer in its mouth. Hey, Kitty, Kalman said. What a cat coincidence. I'm looking for a pitcher kind of like that. You haven't seen one, have you? And Kalman stood there waiting for just a beat. Oh, how silly of me. You can't talk. You've got a pitcher in your mouth. Kalman stepped forward to remove the pitcher, and the cat ran off toward the north. Hmm, I need to catch that cat. I really think it might know where the ewer went. So Kalman took off into the night, doing his best to approximate the direction of the cat and follow whatever tracks he could see in the darkness. After a half hour of tracking the cat, Kalman thought he spotted movement again along the trail he was following. It was just outside a dense bit of jungle, just off a small trail that had branched off the pilgrim's path. Tall trees, choked by thick, thorny vines, loomed high into the night sky, blotting out the stars above. But... In just a sliver of moonlight, Calman caught a flash of silver and took off in that direction. A small gray-furred monkey scuttled up one of the vines on the edge of the jungle. A silver pitcher dangled from its tail as it began to swing inward into the jungle over the thick underbrush. "'Aha!' Calman said as he followed on foot. As he entered the jungle, he was soon surrounded by the thick plant life that grew on the jungle floor and the sounds of all manners of insects and creatures of the night buzzing and yowling both nearby and in the distance. The plants he walked through were deep purple and waxy-leaved with yellow tufts in their center. Parts of those tufts wafted off as they were disturbed, floating through the light cast by Kalman's moon-touched sword like dust through a ray of morning sunshine cast through a crack in a wall. The air around Kalman grew thick with the yellow dust trailing along in his wake. Kalman's attention had been on the glint of the silver pitcher shining under the canopy above, but he soon noticed the thickness in the air. "'I think this stuff is poisonous to breathe,' he said to no one in particular. "'I guess I just won't breathe.' And so Kalman continued along in the undergrowth of the poisonous plants, mouth sealed tight, one hand over his nose, and his chest stuck forward, happily crashing through the plants ahead in a power walk through the jungle. When Kalman finally reached an end to the jungle, it was about 3 a.m., and the moon moon had finally risen, almost full. Kalman, having been acclimated to the darkness of the jungle, spoke a command word, "'Clap off!' To his sword, and the light was extinguished. Ahead of him was a long expanse of open plains to the north. He stepped out into the plains to get a better look at where they bordered the jungle he had just navigated, and to the northeast, perhaps 200 yards into the plains and 50 yards east of where he exited the jungle, he spotted what looked like an adolescent blink raptor with a short gray bony head crest and a glint of silver dangling from its claws. Kalman knew little of blink-raptors, and how they usually moved across long expanses like these plains, so he thought nothing of how slow and plodding this creature was as it stepped through the patchy grass and the small holes dug by the plainsfowl. Kalman angled toward the creature, noticing he still had his nose pinch closed with his offhand, and finally removing it. In the sky above the plains, dark shapes circled, broad, distant circles at first but growing ever tighter and tighter, constricting their paths through the sky until they orbited around the lone Modron in the field below. The raptor seemed to look skyward and put on a burst of speed. Kalman couldn't seem to gain as the creature slowly seemed to get more comfortable moving across the plains, eventually cresting a small hill and vanishing over the other side. Kalman was oblivious to the creatures circling above him, but as they slowly descended, as he looked skyward, he would have seen their sharp talons curved toward him as a pair of huge razor beaks began a dive for him in the darkness. Kalman whistled as he walked to the top of the hill where the raptor had disappeared, unknowing that the razor beaks were diving at his back. Kalman spotted a pair of small, smooth stones that had worked their way to the top of the earth, just on the far side of the hill's crest. He reached down to pluck them from the earth just as the razorbeaks finished their dive. Kalman's short stature vanished almost completely on the far side of the hill from the razorbeaks as he bent over, giving them no angle of attack. They swooped harmlessly over top of the Modron with nothing more than a dark breeze. Kalman stood back up in time to see them flying further ahead, adjusting their path toward a less fortunate plainsfowl at the edge of its flock that was laying near a scrubby bush for the night. The turkey-sized bird had no chance to move as one of the beaks careened down onto it, pinning it to the ground. The other made a quick circle and landed beside its mate, hopping toward the morning meal. Kalman mimed a deep breath. "'I love nature,' Further to the north, just past the razor beaks, the plains turned rocky and uneven as the earth dipped into a long sloping descent. The rocky terrain eventually lost all semblance of the plains' scrubby grass and gave way to large, flat, bare stones that pushed against each other, sometimes having cracked and sometimes having forced themselves to angle skyward from the constant pressure. Kalman spotted a small wallaby-like creature with large hind legs and patchy gray fur, hopping from stone to stone toward a smoky haze in the near distance. With one of its short front legs, it balanced a ewer on top of its head as it made this precarious journey across the hazardous terrain. Soon, the rocks split further apart with deep, dark crevices forming between them, and soon those empty cracks were replaced with cracks filled with bubbling lava, and slowly, as Kalman moved ever north in pursuit of the small furry creature, there were less and less stones and more and more open flows of lava. Dawn came and went, and the morning crept ever forward. The creature ahead slowed its progress, taking each leap more carefully, and Calman began to gain, hopping from rock to rock with a gleeful smile on his huge brass face. Time to hop! Hop, hop, hoppity-hop! Oh boy! I love ropping on hocks! I think I'll call it hop-rocks! For just a second, Calman looked back over his shoulder at Three Lands Peak in the distance. I wonder what my friends are doing right now. I hope they are having just as much fun as I am. Ropping rocks I mean hopping rocks. (laughs) Ha ha Woohoo After a few minutes Cowman found himself standing one stone away from a grey haired halfling who was just sitting in the middle of a particularly large stone catching her breath. Calman had lost sight of the small, hopping creature as he was enraptured in his game of hop rocks, and had almost jumped onto the other stone before he noticed the woman sitting there. She was wringing her hands around the throat of a silver ewer. Kalman made eye contact. "'Hi!' The halfling scrambled to a squatting position nervously. "'Okay, you've caught up. Enough already!' who followed me through the poison jungle, across the Razor beak plains, and through the Kanagara lava fields. What do you want? Oh, I was just looking for a ewer. It was stolen from a shrine, and my friend wanted to see if I could get it back. Kalman looked at the ewer in the halfling's hands as the halfling stretched it forward toward the Modron ever so slightly. Yeah, it looks like that. Where did you get that one? The halfling chuckled nervously. Um family heirloom uh, the halfling shrugged and tensed awkwardly when she lied she stretched the ewer forward a little bit more toward kalman expecting him to snatch it oh darn i thought maybe it was the one from the shrine look just take it just take the ewer please and stop following me "'No, no! I was supposed to find the one from the shrine! "'This one is your Hamley Fairloom! You should keep that! But thanks!' "'Calman looked back toward the mountain. "'It's morning! I really should be getting back!' "'The halfling just stared at the Modron, speechless. "'Have a good day!' Calman said as he hopped back toward the south, "'waving emphatically as he hopped. "'Hop! Hop! Hoppity-hop! Hop rocks! Woo!' Thanks for listening. Remember to share this podcast with your friends and come back for the next episode when we enter the Temple of the Second Land.